This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Thank you, and welcome to the show. Our first presentation tonight is a Nero Wolf story. American mystery writer Rex Stout created fictional detective Nero Wolf in 1934. Now, Nero Wolf's a big guy, 5'11", tall, and is frequently said to weigh a seventh of a ton, about 286 pounds. Due to his size, Nero Wolf tried to solve crime from home without visiting crime scenes. He relied on his assistant, Archie Goodwin, who did the legwork, interviewing witnesses, gathering clues for interpretation by Nero Wolf at home. Sidney Greenstreet had the lead role, and what a role it was. I think every actor worth his or her salt would love to have had the opportunity to play a character as quirky and as interesting as Nero Wolf. Let's see, what are his attributes again? Uh, well, Nero Wolf had his definite eccentricities, known for his particular taste and love of gourmet food. Nero Wolf is fed by Fritz Brenner, an exceptionally talented Swiss cook. Nero Wolf, an avid reader, doesn't have a television in his home. He doesn't even like to be called by his first name or to be touched by neither men nor women. He keeps a rigid schedule of eating and tending to his orchids and seems to go into a trance while he solved crime with his mind. So here's tonight's adventure, Killer Cards. Ladies and gentlemen, the ringing of that phone bell means mystery, adventure. Arrow Wolf's office, Archie Goodwin speaking. You want Mr. Wolf to what? Mr. Wolf will do nothing of the sort, Archie. Mr. Wolf is thirsty. Hold on for a moment. Uh, the bottle opener is in the left-hand drawer of your desk. Thank you, Archie. Mr. Wolf, I've got a man named Denby on the phone. He wants you to umpire a card game. Man is insane. He's offering a fee. The answer is no. I know nothing of card games, nor do I wish to learn. Okay. Well, the answer is no, Mr. Denby. Sure, I'll ask him again. After he finishes the beer he's working on. Goodbye. People appall me. The fantasies they indulge in. Bah. What on earth made that maniac think I might consent to preside at a card game? Well, seems he expects one of the players to be deaf. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the bulkiest balkiest, smartest, and most unpredictable detective in the world. That chair-born genius, Nero Wolf, Created by Rex Stout and brought to you in a new series of adventures over this NBC network in the person of Mr. Sidney Greenstreet. Mr. 
Wolf would not attend, but the card game went on anyway. At the home of a Mr. Stephen Denby. Gene? Yes? Augusta? Mr. Piper? I think we're ready to begin, eh? I'm ready. Yes, Gene. You always are. How I like that remark, I'll have to decide later on. Mm, please do. Augusto? It's all right with me. And Mr. Piper? I, uh, I brought a deck. No, as host, I shall supply the card. Uh, before we play, I examine them, yes? Of course. Here you are. Chuck? Yeah, Mr. Denby? You will remain outside the door until called. No one is to enter this room under any circumstances. Got it. Augusto? The cards look all right. Thank you. Now then, shall we make things absolutely clear? You mean, should you make a speech? I don't mind. But uh, make it short, huh? I shall. The four of us seated at this table are joint owners of the Candy Club, a rather successful institution devoted to the sale of food, liquor, entertainment... And the gambling. And games of chance. For some time now, we have all resented sharing the profits... Some of us have attempted to buy out the others. Again, B, you needn't babble on. No one wants to sell. We know that. True, true, Mr. Piper. Which is the reason for this little game of cards? One hand shall be dealt to each of us. A hand at poker. Whoever wins gets the club. The others retire as gracefully as they can. Agreed? That's why uh, yes. we... Agreed. Very well. Cards are shuffled. I'll place them in the center of the table. Bacasto, would you like to... I cut. Good. If nobody minds, I'll cut them too. After Mr. Bacasto. Nobody minds. Happy now, Mr. Piper? Let's get going, huh? Very well. Unless Jean would care to... Oh, thanks. We're all crooks here, which sort of cancels out any funny business with a card. Very well. We shall all draw a card in turn until five cards are drawn by each player. Shall we start, Jean? Sure. Augusto? Okay. Mr. Piper? Yes, of course. And myself. We just keep going in rotation. This is fun. Fun? No, no. There's too much money which rides on these cards. That's what makes it fun. Would you mind keeping quiet? I'm nervous. We all are, one way or another. I think we all have our five cards now. We all got them. Very well, then. In the same order that the cards were dealt. Jean? A pair of threes. Lucasto? Nothing. Mr. Piper? Kings. Two. The lights! Piper. Well, what... Hey, hey, I don't like the same stuff, eh, Mr. Boo. Will you take your elbow out of my back? I'd be delighted to, Mr. Goodwin, but it's not my elbow. I don't care if it's your tibia maximus. Just take it away. Chuck wouldn't like that. Well, we have company. Mind if I look around? Keep uh, right on walking, pal. That would be Chuck behind me, huh? And you are... My name is Denby. You may remember it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You phoned a couple of hours ago about, about a card game. Now, look, just what is your boy poking in my back? I think it's a 38. you You're not sure? It might be a 45. 
Chuck, is it loaded? Make a funny move, pal, and you'll find out the hard way. Yo, wait a minute. It's just a passing curiosity. Where are we going? My car. Get in. If you insist. I guess you do. Okay. I'll drive, Chuck. The car bulletproof? No, that's hardly necessary. Chuck shoots first. Well, it's a saving, I guess. The only thing is, I, uh, I hadn't figured on taking a ride. I told Mr. Wolf I was going for a walk. He disapproved, You're but... going for a ride. Isn't that a little corny? Now, there's a minor difference. Usually the, uh, guest, shall we say, is killed at the conclusion of the ride. In this Let's case... Let's not make the difference too minor. Huh? You will survive the ride. It's what comes afterwards that might kill you. You see, Mr. Goodwin, my friends and I have a little mystery to solve. You want me to solve it? No. We want Mr. Wolf to solve it. In order to do so, he must leave his house and come to mine. He has to in order to find the solution quickly. Why? Neither my friends nor myself have any desire to improve our acquaintance with the police. Therefore, we want the mystery solved before the police are even called in. Hence our need for Mr. Wolf. Hence our detaining you. Detaining is a pretty word in the circumstances. Now, this is my home, Mr. Goodwin. Ah, oh, well, I don't like the architecture. I think I'll stay out. Get going, pal. On second thought, Mr. Denby, what makes you think Mr. Wolf is going to leave his house and come here? You. Unless he does so, he will lose you forever. The door, Chuck. Okay. Goodwin, may I introduce you to my associates in business and in poker? To your right, Mr. Lacasto, charming but impulsive fellow. Hello. He's only the stooge. Where's the fat fellow? In time, Lacasto. The lovely lady whose back is to you is Jean. Jean something or other. She's always changing her name. Hello. Hello. And the gentleman facing you is Mr. Piper. How do you do? Uh, is he exclusive or just... Hey, he's wearing his red carnation a little low, isn't he? Over his heart. Except that's no carnation. That, Mr. Goodwin, is blood. Lifeblood. Archie! Oh, bah, he's always taking walks. Come in, the door's unlocked. Are you... Yeah, your wolf. Having made a magnificent discovery, suppose you remove your hat? No, nah, come on. I beg your pardon? Mr. Denby wants to see you. Mr. Denby can see me here. Here ain't where he wants to see you. Here, at the risk of minor monotony, is where he'll have to see me. Don't you want your boy Goodwin to keep on living? No one has ever been able to discourage him. Mr. Denby will. No. Ah. Archie's in custody? No, in Mr. Denby's house under a gun. I don't have to believe that. Take a look at this. Hmm, wallet. Archie's wallet. I shall accompany you. And permit me to warn you that if Mr. Goodwin has been harmed, nothing short of murder will satisfy me. <laughs>
It's getting late. Wolf isn't here yet. Maybe he doesn't worry about you, Goodwin. Well, he could have been delayed. Maybe an orchid needed a pollen transfusion or something. Besides, only the good die young. Then you must be very, very good, Archie. That remark I didn't care for. We sit here and wait for the fat one, but in the meanwhile, the police... The police will come when we notify them. But they will not like the delay we make to notify them. I say we waste time. I say the fat one will not risk coming. You say entirely too much. Is that so? Maybe I kill you myself. Picasso, put that gun away. Yes, darling Archie should have a chance to live. Not long if Wolf doesn't come. Stop looking so pleased. Are you afraid to die, Archie? Yeah, well, I'm not looking forward to it. It's so final. <laughs> Besides, I didn't eat a hearty dinner and it... Oh, the Marines have landed. Who is it? Chuck. Admiral Wolf. Let him in. Shut the door, Chuck. Stay outside. Archie? Hello, Mr. Wolf. Oh, am I glad to see you. I regret I cannot say the same thing. Last year, why couldn't you stay at home instead of taking those confounded walks? I warned you it'd be dangerous. Yeah, but Mr. Wolf, it wasn't the fresh air that got me. It was Denby. Mr. Wolf, I knew you wouldn't come here without some sort of pressure. I thought the method I used would be most effective. Would you really have killed Archie if I hadn't come? I would have had no choice. I would have been stuck with a witness to an unsolved murder. Suppose I cannot solve it. I should be forced to apply the same logic to two witnesses. Mm-hmm. Mr. Wolf, you really came here to save my life, huh? Nonsense. I came here for a fee, Mr. Denby. I have a check for $1,000 already made out. Clear it up. You forget. I left my home. I traveled unprotected through the streets of the city, exposed to motor accidents, to fresh air, too. You offer me a thousand dollars. Will twenty-five hundred do? Barely. Archie, will you take the check? Now, I presume you want me to find who killed the gentleman at the table, one facing me. Huh? His name is Mister Piper. Name is no importance. Will you all sit at the table in the same position you were at the time of the shooting? Of course. Jean, Castro. Good. Now for a look at the wound. Hmm. The lights, I should imagine, went out for a while when the shooting occurred. They went out? Yes. Of the three of you at the table, which one had the best motive for the murder? We all have the same motive. The club. Helpful. There was no one else in the room at the time? No one. The door? Locked. With Chuck on guard outside of it. So much for that. The windows, I notice, are closed. They were closed when the murder took place? They were closed. The window panes are all unbroken, which eliminates the possibility of the shot being fired from outside of them, unless one of them was raised and lowered. That wouldn't have been possible. The windows are secured by catches. Archie, will you check that? Okay, Mr. Wolf. I shall for the moment assume that the windows are neither lying nor untrustworthy. Does anyone remember anything unusual occurring at the time of the shooting? Well, someone whispered Piper just before the shot. Indeed. You all heard that whisper? We heard it. Man's voice or woman? Well, I I can't say. A whisper doesn't reveal much of anything. Windows weren't open, Mr. Wolf. Which leads to... The fact that it had to be one of us in this room. But which one, Mr. Wolf? The murder weapon. Ah, yes. Yes, yes. Has it been moved? Nobody touched it. It's laying on the floor where it was dropped. Interesting. If you look closely, you would observe two oil spots staining the rug between the revolver and the lady's chair, indicating... 
Uh, who sat at the right of Mr. Piper? I did. Why? Mr. Danby. Yes? If I were you, I would turn Mr. Lacaster over to the police. You are a liar. I, I warned you about that gun, Lacaster. Was it necessary to shoot Mr. Lacaster? In the arm, yes. He was reaching for a gun. He'll live, however. Do the police take him away? What do I tell them? You will point out the angle of the wound. As you notice, Mr. Denby, the bullet entered Mr. Piper's heart from the right. Yes, so it did. Therefore, whoever sat to his right, well, that was Locasto. Archie, you have the check? I have it. We may as well leave. Uh, Mr. Wolf, you're sure Locasto shot Piper? I have indicated the evidence. The rest will be up to the jury. Come, Archie. Uh-huh. Uh, Jean. Yes, Archie. Now that my life expectancy has increased, what are you doing tomorrow night? Archie? I got a scram. Lancaster 7, 5, I'll be ringing your bell. Oh, Mr. Denby, you better do something about Lucasto's arm or he won't live to be executed. You see, the executioner likes them warm before he chills them. Ah. The old homestead looks very nice, Mr. Wolf. Yes, Archie. You should stay in it more often. Yeah, but you never get to meet babes like Jean that way. You never get kidnapped, either. Nor would I have had to leave my home in order to rescue you. Yeah, well, you earned a nice fee, fast. Indeed? You seem doubtful about it. Positive, Archie. I know. I have not as yet earned my fee. Huh? You mean Denby might not turn Lucasto over to the cops? Of course he will. The trouble is, you see, Lucasto did not murder Piper. No? <laughs> he just thought a bullet in the heart might be good for Piper's rheumatism, huh? As it happens, Piper suffered from asthma. <laughs> That's besides the point. Fine. Mr. Wolf, I'm going to take it for granted that you know who did kill Piper. I'm also going to take it for granted that you won't tell me until you're ready. But why turn Lucasto over to the police? Two reasons, Archie. First, I had no proof against the real killer. Secondly... We had to supply a scapegoat in order to be permitted to leave the Danby home. You were unarmed, helpless. Go ahead, rub it in. Nonsense. It was an interesting problem. I enjoyed it. It was, huh? Well, to me, it's still in the present tenses. Which reminds me, as old Dr. Tidmouse said, there's always a future tense. And in that future tense, Jean. No, Archie. Oh, Mr. Wolf, stop. That girl's got a love for blood that appeals to the ghoul in me. Besides, did you notice what she does to address? Archie, I was merely about to say that I have no objections to your dallying with the girl. Oh, I don't believe it. My ears need overhauling. I objected only to the future tense. Why not call her now? Yeah, well, I won't pretend I understand this sudden enthusiasm on your part about my love life. Probably there's some foul scheming motive at the bottom of it. But who am I to look a gift horse in the mouth? Now, let's see. Her number was... Um... Lancaster, 7583, of course. <laughs> this is the most beautiful bar and grill I've ever seen, Archie. Drank, you mean? What? Uh, never mind, never mind. Archie, did anybody tell you you were beautiful, too? Well, a girl here and there has mentioned it. Oh, were they liars? Now, tell me, Jean, how did you ever get into the gambling den racket? 
because I'm a crook? Well, I suspected that, but... Uh, I want another drink. You've had enough. I want another drink, and when Gene wants another drink, no gentleman who is a gentleman... Gene, get down. Oh, let me go. I don't want to climb under the table. You'll stay on the here until the barrage stops. Ah, I guess the war's over. All right, Gene, get up. No, now I'm here. I like it. I'm going to stay here for months and months. Gene, do you realize that somebody just tried to kill you? And I thought you had such a nice, honest face. No, 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 not me. Somebody out in the street. I don't know why, but Mr. Wolf will. Come on, pour yourself together and let's go see him. The nice fat man? All right, I like him. You do? Why? Because he'd make such a big corpse. Plus Jean. What made you think I wanted her here? She's one of your fans. <laughs> she thinks you'd make a lovely corpse. What was the reason for bringing her here? She was shot at. Did you expect her to be? I expected her to be killed. That's why I sent you to her. Didn't occur to you I might be killed too? It did. I was willing to take the chance. You were willing? <laughs> oh, Mr. Wolf, Jean's a little under the weather. Splendid. In vino veritas. Watch your language. I mean the people in their cups often tell the truth, the proverb of some antiquity. Who shot at you tonight, Jean? Well, I don't know. I, I didn't see. Has it occurred to you that you might just as easily have murdered Piper as not? But Lucasto killed Piper. You said so yourself. I lied. Furthermore, why the attack on you if Lucasto was the murderer? Well, I, I don't know. Did you also not know that Lucasto escaped from jail earlier this evening? You're making that up. Why should I? Mr. Denby turned him over to the police, but Lacoste managed to get away before being jailed. That's not cricket. Incidentally, Mr. Denby will be joining us at any moment. I expected you to bring Jean Archie. Therefore, with the exception of Mr. Piper, who is resting in the morgue, and Mr. Lacoste, who is at large, we shall have all the participants in the card game. With them, perhaps we can deal a new hand, hmm? Archie? Okay. Maybe it's the morgue to tell us Piper escaped. Oh, wrong again. Come in, Mr. Denby. Mr. Wolf, I'm upset. I heard over the radio about Lucasto's escape. He'll try to kill us all. Why? Because we can testify that he murdered Piper. Truly. I beg your pardon? Lucasto did not kill Piper. What, you said that he did. The only evidence against Lucasto was the angle of the entrance of the bullet that lodged in his heart. May I remind you of the whisper you all heard in the darkness preceding Piper's death? The whisper that said Piper? Precisely. We must assume, then, that Piper turned his body in the direction of the whisper. Therefore, the angle of the wound would be wrong for Lacoste, but the correct one for... Whoever sat opposite Piper. I sat opposite him, but that doesn't mean I killed him. Wait, you must have. Once he turned, the bullet must have come from opposite him. Only possible way. That means you, Jean. No. No, it's a frame. May I interrupt for a moment? Mr. Denby, if our present analysis is correct, it must have been you who whispered to Piper. Did you? I... I hadn't thought about it before, but... I... Denby, you're lying. No, he's not lying. Continue, Mr. Denby. Well, when the lights went out, I wanted to tell Piper something. He, he turned to me, and that's when he was shot. 
Archie, you've taken all this down. My prettiest shorthand, Mr. Wolf. Good. I, I don't know why you're doing this, Denby. Maybe you think if I take the rap, you'll get the club. But remember, Lacasto's still free. He's gunning for all of us. But it'll be you. Especially you he'll want. Maybe you can talk a jury into sending me up for something I didn't do, but you won't live to gloat about oh, it. Oh, shut up, Jean. You killed Piper and... Who's that? This is, of course, the murderer, Mr. Piper. No comments? Archie, the door, if you please. But you said I was the one who... What kind of idiocy is this? Archie, I said the door. Okay, but shall I ask him in or sock him? You will act as the situation demands. Yes, sir. For once, I'd like to know what the situation is. Raise him, Goodwin. Keep him that way. Now back up into the living room. I don't back up good. My gears... You want it here? Uh, never mind. I'll strip a gear. Archie. What are you doing? Just what the situation demands, backing up. In case your knowledge of armaments has failed you, our little friend Chuck here is pointing a thirty-eight revolver at me. Won't save him from the chair. Maybe not. But it could give me quite a pain in the stomach. Chuck, what do you think you're doing? You double-crossing louse. Gentlemen, if you So please. you thought you'd run to the fat dick and pin it all on me, huh, Denby? You don't know what you're talking about. We haven't even mentioned you. You're sure of that, huh? Then why did Wolf phone me and tell me you were about to sing? Wolf phoned you? Yeah. Said you were getting ready to feed me to the electrician up the river. Oh, he was making a stab in the dark, Chuck. Trying to start something. That's so, Wolf. Archie, will you read Chuck your notes about Mr. Denby's statement regarding the whisper? Well, that doesn't mean you... It could be misunderstood. Read me the notes, Goodwin. Here it is, I quote. When the lights went out, I wanted to tell Piper something. He turned to That's me That's and... all I need to hear. Chuck, you were selling me out after hiring me to knock off Piper. You dumb gunman. Now you've given Wolf what he wants, a confession. I was trying to pin it on Gene. That's what you say now. It's kind of late, though. Too late no. for you. No, no. Oh, oh. Goodbye, Mr. Denby. Nice shooting, Chuck. Stay put, Goodwin. The rest of you, I'm leaving. Police wouldn't approve. But let me have your gun. Huh? Wise guy. You know something? I've been thinking. Can you think? If I was to knock off you and Goodwin, me and Gene could split the club between us. Nobody'd ever know who killed Piper. Very whimsical, Chuck, but if you don't mind... Archie, don't be an idiot. Well, if I have to get shot, I prefer it to happen when I'm moving forward. Archie. Okay, come and get it, Goodwin. March right up nice and easy and take it. I'm coming. Does somebody mind telling me why I don't fall down? Ooh. I've been shot. Well, that's not the way to talk to a man who's just been... Hey, Chuck is lying down. He... Is he dead? Well, there's been a mistake. I didn't shoot him. He shot me. Archie, stop blabbering. Neither of you shot the other. As a matter of fact... I shot the job. Lucasto. Lucasto, Archie? Well, I thought he escaped. No, I'm not crazy. I do not escape. The fat one, he phones the police to tell them how I'm innocent. Yes, I had the police announce the escape, however, for reasons of, uh... Should I say strategy? <laughs> Well, on account of there are no bullet holes in me, you can say whatever you like, Mr. Wolf. Thank you, Archie. That announcement helped heighten the tension our murderers were under. And then they explode. The fat one, he says to me, Locasto, wait in the next room. Watch careful. Maybe there's trouble. I watch. And now? <laughs> now there's no more trouble. <laughs> Well, place looks a lot tidier now with all those bodies removed, huh? Indeed. 
Okay. I'll get you the bottle of beer. But first, make with an explanation. Case was crystal clear, Archie. Maybe, but I'm no crystal gazer. Sure, I know. Denby had things arranged in advance with Chuck in case anybody held a better hand than his own. Piper did. So Denby whispered to Piper after kicking the light switch and set him up for a shot by Chuck from the doorway. The angle would provide evidence against Lucasto. True. However, we had only Denby's word for it and Chuck's that the door was locked. All right. We know, but you knew before Denby and Chuck blew up. How? The oil spots on the rug, Archie? Well, they only showed the gun had bounced when the murderer threw it away. Spatted oil, very well-kept gun. They showed more than that. Where were those spots in relation to the gun? Think back, Archie. Spots in relation... Oh, sure. They were between the gun and the door. Therefore, the gun must have been thrown from the door. Bounced twice, staining the rug before reaching its final destination. Ah. I get it now. That told you who'd fired the gun. But there wasn't proof enough, so you set up a nice atmosphere of suspicion and had the boys give each other away. <laughs> All right, Mr. Wolf, you're a genius, and uh, you may have your beer. Thank you, Archie. As for me, I'm not a genius, but I remember a phone number. So if you'll excuse me, Mr. Wolf. You're excused, Archie. Thanks. But before you call that number, may I remind you that Jean is a girl of macabre tastes who appeals to the ghoul in you. <laughs> sure you may, but why bother? In order to be able to warn you that uh, a ghoul and his money are soon parted. <laughs> Good night, Archie. Ah. I've been listening to The New Adventures of Nero Wolf, starring Sidney Greenstreet. Tonight's transcribed story was based on the characters created by Rex Stout. This is an Edwin Fadiman program. In the cast were Gerald Moore as Archie Goodwin, and Betty Lou Gerson, Jay Novello, Howard McNear, Barney Phillips, and Bill Johnstone. Next week at this same time, Nero Wolf and Archie will bring you The Case of the Calculated Risk. Don Stanley speaking. Stay tuned for Fibber McGee and Molly next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Fibber McGee and Molly, a radio show that played a major role in determining the full form of what became classic old-time radio. The series was a pinnacle of American popular culture from its 1935 premiere until its demise in 1959, one of the longest-running comedies in the history of classic radio. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> The makers of Johnson's Wax Products for Home and Industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, aided and abetted by Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, B. Benaderet, and yours truly, Harlow Wilcox. The writing is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. <laughs>
In the recent nationwide popularity poll among 1,091 radio editors conducted by Radio Daily, the award for the most popular commercial radio program went to Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax and all of us are very proud of this honor, and we particularly like that word, commercial. Because during the many years Fibber McGee and Molly have been on the air, we've done our best to play fair with the radio audience in our advertising. We've tried to make no extravagant claims, limiting our statements to provable facts, which the users of Johnson's Wax products could easily demonstrate to themselves. We're proud and happy that both the entertainment we offer and the product we sell have received such warm approval in your homes. When Mrs. Molly Driscoll McGee of 79 Wistful Vista gives a card party, it's not one of your catch-as-catch-can, throw-your-coat-in-the-corner-and-deal affairs. It's a matter of flowers on the mantel, candy on the table, and shoes on the husband. And here, getting ready for the occasion, we find Fibber McGee and Molly. Oh, my goodness, McGee, I haven't given a party for so long, I'm as nervous as a cow in the deer hunting season. <laughs> calm down now, baby, calm down. Everything's under control, I think. And a thing like this, there's only one thing you got to worry about. What's that? If it's table stakes and you're running low, buy your new stack before the deal. Because when you've got plenty of what chips... What are you always... talking about? We're not using chips. What do you mean we're not using chips? How can you play poker without chips? If you use matches and four people at the table are smoking, you always end yeah, up... Yeah, but a... we're not playing poker. We're playing bridge. You're kidding, aren't you? I am not. If I wanted a poker party, I'd rent the back room of Joe's Tavern. Oh. This is a bridge party for ladies and gentlemen, of whom, fortunately, we know just about enough for two tables. Oh, but bridge, my gosh, what a dull game. I don't even believe I even remember enough about it to play it even. <laughs> well, it's quite simple, dearie. Huh? All you do is wait till your partner says two clubs, uh-huh. and then you say seven no Trump, mm-hmm. and two days later they find your body floating down the river. <laughs> and do you know who's coming? Who? Miss Fordelia Blakewell Butler herself. No, you mean... Miss Fordelia Blakewell Butler, society editor of the Wistful Vista Gazette. Well, my word. And believe me, dear lad, getting Fordelia to come to your party... Is like getting the royal family to high tea at Duffy's Tavern. Well, gee, that's great, but I still think poker would be a much better game. Oh, I wonder who that is. It's a little early for the guests to arrive. Come in. Oh, Mrs. Carstairs. Do come in, Mrs. Carstairs. Thank you, my dear. Good day, Mr. McGee. Hi, Carsty. I understand you're one of the unfortunate victims selected for our little slaughter tonight. (laughs) Better bring your checkbook and a fright wig. Please don't worry about me, Mr. McGee. Oh. Uh, Here, Mrs. McGee, is the sandwich tray you wanted to borrow. Oh, thank you so much, Millicent. You know, himself here wanted to play poker tonight instead of bridge. But what with the society editor of the Gazette... What? For Delia Blakewell Butler? Oh, my dear, I congratulate you. She almost never attends social functions except in the most exclusive circles. Well, I'll spike her root beer and she can run around in one of her own. Hey, I'll cut the deck with you, high man, for 50 cents. 
Very well, Miss McGee. Oh, and my dear, if there's anything more I can do to help out with your party, I'll be only too happy to... King of Hearts, Mr. McGee. To assist. Add right at the four diamonds. I owe you 50 cents. Let's do it again. Thank you, Millicent, but I think everything is under control now. If Marie, my upstairs maid, can help you with serving... Uh, Queen of Spades, Mr. McGee. I'm sure she'll be glad to come oh, over. gone at the five of clubs. I owe you a buck. Cut him again, kiddo. Thank you so much, Mrs. Carstairs, but I don't think my guests will be spending much time upstairs. Oh, well, with Marie, you can't tell, my dear. Since we've had her, my husband even runs upstairs to check the furnace. <laughs> Ace of diamonds, Mr. McGee. Well, I'll be a six of hearts, and I owe you a buck and a half. Once more, once more, double or nothing, Millie. Now, don't hesitate to call me if I can do anything, my dear. And please tell Miss Butler that I spell my name with an S. Carstairs. Uh, tray of spades, Mr. McGee. Uh-huh, now I got you. No, I haven't either. Deuce of diamonds. <laughs> you gotta go, Carsty. Yes, I have a hair appointment. Uh, good day, my dear. And thank you for the sandwich tray, Millicent. Here's your three bucks, Lucky. Lucky, Mr. McGee? I think you will find all your opponents have the same sort of luck. Until you learn to shuffle the deck so that the cards can't be read like 24-sheet posters. Good day. <laughs> Why, that old sharpshooter. She took advantage of my clumsiness. That's what she took advantage of my... <laughs> well... Stop pouting, pigeon. You brought it on yourself. She was. Well, now, let me see. I think maybe another bowl of peanuts on the side table there and a couple of more ashtrays on the... Come in. Hello there, kids! Ah, oh, hello there, Mr. Oldtimer. Happen to be in the drugstore, daughter, and Kramer says you'd ordered some ice cream, and I told him I'd skip over here with it. Here you are, both kinds. We only ordered one kind, Oldtimer. Well, keep the kind you want, kids. I'll take the other one back. Uh, what two kinds did Mr. Kramer send? 2D and fruity. Huh? If you want the fruity, I'll return the 2D, or if you want the 2D, I'll take never, back never, the fruity. Never, 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 never. <laughs> we'll keep both of them. Hey, tell me something. Certainly, Johnny. Tell you anything you want to know, except are there more monkeys' uncles than there are monkeys? <laughs> That's one of the great mysteries I've No, no. You know, I think what he really wants to know, Mr. Oldtimer, is just what is your real name? Yeah. Oldtimer's not only pretty corny, it's clumsy. Well, kids, I, I kind of hoped it would never come to this. Mm hmm Well, why don't you just call me number 28 or Danny Kay or Hey You or something? Why, are you ashamed of your name? Well, no, not exactly, daughter, but <clears throat> just never seemed to fit me somehow. Oh. Confidentially, my name is Rupert. <laughs> Rupert? My God. Rupert. Yep. Rupert Blazing Game. Oh. And I'll give you five bucks apiece to forget it. You don't have to do that, Rupert. Matter of fact, I kind of like it. Very aristocratic, Mr. Blazing Game. Personally, kids, I like what they called me in the CBs better. What was that, if it's fit for my wife's ears? Oh, yes. In the CBs, I was known as serial number 748567982-J. A little hard to use in a conversation, but it's... Hey, what time is it? Oh, it's about half past. Gee, Willikers, I gotta get going, kids. I gotta be at the tattoo parlor in ten minutes. You mean you're getting tattooed? Nope. Getting untattooed, daughter. Some of my artwork has gotta be toned down a little for a civilian life. <laughs> There's a hula dancer on my left shoulder that don't know it yet, but by tomorrow morning she's gonna be a pilgrim father. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Billy Mills in the orchestra, and aren't you glad you're you? Society editor of the Gazette over here tonight. That's for Well, everything. now, dearie, it won't hurt any of us to use our manners for one evening. Oh, well, shucks. Personally, I'm rather going to enjoy a party here that doesn't wind up with people squirting seltzer water at each other. <laughs> See, uh, McGee, did... Oh, dear, and I haven't even had time to dress yet. Come in. Hello, Dr. Gamble. Aren't you a little early? Party isn't for two hours yet. I know, but I thought you might need some extra score pads, Molly. Hi, Doc. Hi, Fibber. Happen to have some lying around. Thought I'd bring them over. Oh, thank you, Doctor. Everything going smoothly, Molly? Yes, I think everything's under control, Doc. Hi, Doc. Hi. Uh, did I, uh... <laughs> Doctor, uh, did I tell you that Fordelia Blakewell Butler is coming? Great, Scott. You mean the society editor of the Gazette? Yes. Do you know her personally, Doctor? Yes, I do. Though professionally it'd be a more accurate term, as I first met her due to a rather painful injury. What'd she do, Capsule Happy? Get run down by a typewriter carriage? <laughs> well, it's a matter of public record, so I guess I can tell you. Hi, Doc. On one of the rare occasions... Hi. On one of the rare occasions... One of the rare occasions when she went out socially, coming home late at night, she got her heel caught in a streetcar track. Oh, how terrible. Was she badly hurt? Oh, not a bit. But I had to treat him for a torn ligament. He tried to get her to pay my bill. Who tried to get her to... The chap that was with her. The heel that caught in the car track. Oh. <laughs> but uh, what does Miss Butler look like, Doctor? Well, I'd say she was about five feet four, brown hair, with incipient alopecia areata due to a childhood attack of typhoid, blue eyes inclined to acute myopia, an almost undetectable congenital malformation of the phalanges, third digit of the dextapedal extremity... An unobtrusive papilloma on the left inferior maxillary and a bit underweight, due, I think, to hypothyroidism. 
really a very attractive woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she sounds like a powers model who's lost most of her powers. McGee, I was merely being accurate. Beauty, to me, is a matter of circulation, muscle tone, and a willingness to pay my fee at the end of the month. Well, I'd still like to know more about Miss Butler, Doctor. Is she very ritzy? Do I have to take off my cloak and spread it on the floor so she can cross a spilled drink? (laughs) If you'd get something in the house besides root beer, blue nose, people wouldn't spill their drinks, they'd drink them. (laughs) See you shortly. Heavenly days, I hope nobody ever asked Dr. Gamble what I look like. If they do, just tell him what he looks like. <laughs> That'd be about as dirty a revenge as you could get. Well, now, this isn't getting ready for the party, McGee. And I want everything to go perfectly tonight. I want my friends to know I can host a something larger than a chili con carne fracas after a 40-cent movie. You'll do okay, Snooky. You'll do okay. When this jamboree hits the society page, Eli Culbertson is going to wonder why we're snubbing him. Well, I do hope everything... Hello, folks. <gasps> Well, here's the card table you wanted to borrow, Molly. Thank you very much, Mr. Wilcox. Yeah, much obliged, Junior. It's going to be a shame to win your paycheck away from you on your own card table. <laughs> well, that's life, pal. Yeah. Hey, uh, look, could you spare a man a glass of water? I'd do better than that, Junior. Come on out in the kitchen. Give you a little sample of what we're going to give the guests tonight. Yeah? I picked up a case of genuine pre-war root beer. No. <laughs> the kind with sugar in it. What? Cost me three bucks and a quarter. Want a wee Doc and Doris? You keep Doc, just give me a little Doris. <laughs> Remember, I've got to drive home. <laughs> well, here's the opener, McGee. Thanks. Oh, I'll hate that sound till we can get a new set of tires. <laughs> Drink hearty, Junior. Right on. Ah, say, that's the real stuff, Mac. You betcha. I don't believe I ever... Hey, watch it, you're spilling root beer on the floor. Oh, take it easy, Junior. My gosh, I got glow coat on this linoleum, you know that. Don't you know by this time that glow coat puts a tough film over the linoleum that protects it against dirt and spilled stuff? My gosh, don't you read? Yes, but gee, I... <laughs> my goodness, Mr. Wilcox. That's nothing to worry about. I just glow coated that floor this morning for the party. Just poured some glow coat on it and spread it around. Yes, and... but what that got to do with... It's about time that you learn that a linoleum floor never has a party hangover the morning after. If it's been glow coated the morning before. Certainly. Well... Well, what? Well, gee, I hope we have this much fun tonight. See you later, folks. Hey. Hey. Hey, what happened there, anyhow? <laughs> I'm so used to that guy spouting about Johnson's self-polishing loco that... Oh, well, that's one time we didn't have to listen to him popping off about it, anyhow. Yeah, you certainly showed him. Sure did. Well, come on in the living room now, dearie, and help me. Come in. Hello there, Mr. Mayor. Oh, hi, Ella Trivia. Hello, Molly. Good day, McGee. Uh, here are the extra ashtrays you wanted to borrow for your card party, Molly. Oh, thank you, Your Honor. Yeah, much obliged, Latriv. You know who's going to be here tonight? Now toss your hair back so you'll have room to raise your eyebrows. <laughs> for Didia Blakewell Butler, Mr. Mayor. Oh, that's splendid. It'll be nice to see her again. Oh, are you acquainted personal with this butler beetle, Latriv? <laughs> well, uh, I have met her, McGee. Mm-hmm. Rather a charming person, really. Oh. She went to college with my sister. Got her bachelor's degree the same year. Her what, Mr. Mayor? Her bachelor's degree. Gee, that's tough, Latrive. What if she changes her mind and wants to get married? <laughs> What's that got to do with it? She can still get married. With a bachelor's degree? Take it easy there now, Latrivia. As a college man yourself, you know you can't practice law with a medical degree. Of course not, but a bachelor's degree And if isn't your it? college makes you a bachelor, that's legal, isn't it? Naturally, it's legal, but you don't see... So, that's... 
If you're legally a bachelor and then you get married, that's illegal, isn't it? No, it is not. The legality of the matter is not... Now, just a darn minute there, Latrivia. <laughs> Why, George, I'm pretty liberal in my views. But when a city official advocates tearing down our school system... I advocated no such thing, McGee. And you know it. The mere fact that a person gets a bachelor's degree does not prevent him or her from getting married. But if they do get married, they have to tear up their bachelor's degree, don't they? No! No, they do not. Oh. My sister is married and has three children, and her bachelor's degree hangs on the wall of her library. Oh, those poor kids. <laughs> well, this is the most shameful thing I ever heard, Your Honor. Oh, for goodness sake, look. What I try to say is that a bachelor's degree is a purely honorary What's degree. What's so honorary about promising to be a bachelor and then turning around and getting married? That has nothing to do with it. When you get a degree, degree as a basket, as a bachelor, you're not requested, required to maintain, uh, to maintain anything. It's merely that we, everybody, the scholastics, I, you, I, will, <laughs> McGee Yes, your honor Let's, let's go fishing one of these days Why, he'd just love to, Mr. Mayor, wouldn't you, dearie? Why, you betcha, Latrivia Hey, what gave you the idea all of a sudden? Well, it, it just occurred to me that after all the years that you've been baiting me We ought to do something about it now, uh, if I may have my hat. No, no, Mr. Mayor, not even. No, no, that's the whole closet. Don't open that door. Got to straighten out that Latrivia one of these days. The King's Men sing Tampico. Purple glow, we bid farewell to 
time be cold. We'll steal away and leave her stay there on the Gulf of Mexico. Well, they ought to be coming any minute now, dearie. How does the house look? Beautiful, Molly. Fine. Everything is so slicked up, I've been putting my cigar ashes in my pocket. <laughs> You've got this place... How's my hair? Oh, wonderful. The way you... Have I forgotten anything? No, I don't believe you have. You think there are enough peanuts? Oh, there's too many peanuts. Make them too thirsty. I only... I only got one case of root beer, and if we... Well, well, here they come, Molly. Good luck with it, baby. Thank you, dearie. Come in. Oh, hi, Wimp. Come on in. Hello, Mr. Wimple. Hello, folks. <laughs> My, I've been looking forward to this evening. I haven't been to a party for so long. I hope you don't mind if I just let myself go tonight. Ah, <laughs> uh, you just unwind, Mr. Wimple. Have fun. You really get raucous, do you, Wimp? Oh, I'm a caution when I get started, Mr. McGee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you should hear me recite, The curfew shall not ring tonight with a lampshade on my head. <laughs> Sounds really right, this Mr. Wimple. Maybe it's a good thing your wife couldn't come tonight and cramp your style. It's a wonder she let you out of her sight this long, Wimp. Oh, I just sneaked out, Mr. McGee. Oh. She was sleeping off the effects of a cup of coffee when I left. Coffee? I thought coffee was supposed to keep you awake. Not if you put in it what I put in it, Mrs. McGee. <laughs> she, she'll be lucky if she wakes up in time for Valentine's Day. Hey, now that's pretty dangerous, Wimp, doping a person's coffee. That's what I kept telling myself, Mr. McGee. But every time I said it, I dumped in another teaspoonful. <laughs> I'm getting so I don't believe a word I say. Well, uh, was she all right when you left? Oh, yes. She was breathing very naturally, which for her means snoring like a water buffalo. <laughs> She's, ooh, peanuts. May I have some? Why, sure, Wimp. They're right over there. Go right in. Sit down, Mr. Wimple. Everybody will be here in a few minutes. Come in. Oh, boy. Ah, here you are. Come on in. Come on, break out the faceboards, Rothstein. I brought a sun lamp with me in case I lose my shirt. Hey, the house looks swell, Molly. The way that furniture shines. Please, Mr. Wilcox, no shop talk. Oh, sorry. Well, is everybody here? Because I'm already... Uh Uh-oh, peanuts. Uh, Lay off, Campbell. I saw them first. Oh, my goodness, McGee. This must be Cordelia Blakewell Butler. Don't look so scared, Tootsie. She ain't going to bite you. Come in. Mrs. McGee, I am Cordelia Butler. Oh? (laughs) Well, uh, do come in, Miss Butler. It was so nice of you to come. It was nice of you to ask me, Mrs. McGee. Yes. Uh, This is my husband, uh, Miss Butler. How do you do, Mr. McGee? Hi, Cordelia. Hey, you're pretty good looking. From what Doc Gamble says, I was expecting a broken down McGee. old <laughs> I'm so glad Dr. Gamble is here. One of my dearest friends, you know. Oh, he's one of the dearest friends anybody ever had, Party. <laughs> His bill's at the end of the year. Please, now, McGee. Uh, Miss Butler, I'd like to have you meet the rest of our friends. Uh, Mrs. Carstairs, uh, this is Miss Cordelia Blakewell Butler. <laughs> Four diamonds. Uh, double. Redouble. Pass the peanuts, greedy. <laughs> well, that's our game, Mr. Mayor. Uh, I've been doing very well tonight, Molly. I haven't seen so many spades since the WPA finished the airport. 
Hey, how about some refreshments, Molly? I could eat the horns off a of Gandy's goat. Oh, my goodness, McGee. It's only a little after nine. Uh, could I get you anything, Miss Butler? Well, if it isn't too much trouble, I would like a glass of water, Mrs. McGee. Why, sure, Cordelia. You're a cinch. We get it piped right into the house here. <laughs> you just sit there now. Oh, I'll come with you, Mr. McGee. I'll, uh, I'm dummy anyway. Frankly, Cordelia, isn't this about the dullest evening you ever spent in your life? Oh, on the contrary, Mr. McGee. I'm enjoying myself very much. Although I... Uh, oh, thank you. Although you what? Well, one of the reasons I accepted your wife's very kind invitation is that I heard you were quite a poker player. And uh, being very fond of poker myself... Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. What was that again? I said, being very fond of poker... Well, my gosh, why didn't you say so? We wasted a whole hour. Come on, sis. You just talked yourself into popularity. Attention, everybody. Cordelia wants to play poker. Throw them bridge scores out the window and break out the chips. Come no. on, guys. Come on, get no, 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 really, I didn't intend That's to. That's all right, dearie. Now, it was my mistake. Move those tables together, boys, and take off. Well, it be dealer's choice. Yes, and uh, you deal the first hand for dealer. Oh, wonderful. Get your chips on the line and feed that hungry kitty. Here, here we go with Step in the Ocean. Oh, boy, that's for me. Wheel around and better like you see it. Sky's the limit, and here's where all friendship needs Our party was a success after all. I'll say, look at this picture in the paper. And listen to this. It says, Mrs. McGee, one of the town's smarter hostesses, entertained with a card party last night. In sharp contrast to the usual sticky bridge affair, the McGee party was one your editor will long remember, to the tune of 16 bucks. (laughs) (laughs) What else does she say? Oh, a lot. Here, read it. There was only one little thing I thought she'd never say last night. What was that? Good night. Oh, good night, all. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax Products for Home and Industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, we wrap up the week with Challenge of the Yukon, followed by Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.